hello and welcome once again to Raging and Eating. This is Rossi, better known as Chef Rossi, owner and executive chef of the Raging Skillet in New York bleep bleep city. Anyway, I'm talking to you close to midnight, which is my preferred time, as you know, feeling kind of metal, metal, that's very funny, mellow, but that's Freudian, let me go back to that later on, but feeling kind of mellow because I threw myself in the ocean today, well, I threw myself in the ocean in my wimpy way, because I grew up on the Jersey Shore, famous for its undertow, what we call riptide, I have a healthy respect for the ocean, and I guess you would say a fear. Um, Most people in Jersey have had at least one scare. I've had a couple of them, but um, one where I was paddling around chatting was in high school, chatting away with my friend Jenny Marvin and her boyfriend Clinton. We were just paddling the water and chatting, feeling mellow, and next thing you know, we look up and the beach is like a mile away because that undertow sucked us right out. And, well, we wound up being rescued by the lifeguards, as it turned out. So, since then, I've had a healthy fear of the riptide. But the other thing, here near Asbury Park, the um, surf is rough. I mean, that's why the surfers love it out here. But you can really get beaten up by the waves. So, because of that, I generally don't go in past my waist, which you can... I actually wind up getting the most beaten up because that's when they're all breaking. My friend Sharmani was visiting and she dove right in and went out there. But it's okay. I'm proud. I'm proud to be an ocean wimp because it's very dangerous, you know, between the riptide and the waves and the sharks, you name it. You know what I mean? Anyway, what I want to talk to you about today is I want to talk to you about taking chances. And maybe not the way I take chances, because as you've heard, you know, I wasn't willing to go in over my head because I didn't want to get sucked out and die, you know. But, you know, the way you take chances in theory, if you're like a little braver than me. I suppose that didn't sound very good, but you'll have to excuse me because there's a little background noise here today. Because while I'm being all nice and mellow and talking to you, um, some other people that I'm staying with, sharing my home with, are listening to the TV rather loudly. Mm. But we forgive them because they're very cute and they're going to listen to this later and then they'll be mad at me if I complain about their TV being too loud. So there. Anyway... (laughs) But I digress, as always. So I threw myself in the ocean in the wimpy way. But what I've been thinking about is I had some time to spend with a really adorable relative of my girlfriend, a very pretty little girl who's 12 years old. And it was kind of fascinating to hear the things that she is afraid of and upset about. I guess I don't spend enough time talking to people under the age of 50. I don't know. Certainly I don't spend enough time talking to 12-year-olds. But she had some genuine fears 
uh, she's leaving one school, going to another one, and she'd heard it was very dangerous. She had a fear of being shot or stabbed in a school, a fear of being murdered, hurt. I mean, it made me feel really sad to know that a 12-year-old today has a bona fide fear of being shot because of all of these school shootings that have happened in these last many years. I mean, it's a horrible epidemic in this country. And so on her list of things to worry about, will I have friends? Will I be cool enough? Will people like me? She was worried, will I be shot? Will I be stabbed? I mean, it was really heartbreaking and anxiety provoking. It really made me feel sad to know that. And I know probably if I talk to other kids in grammar school and high school, they'll have similar fears. I don't know, when I was in grammar school, I worried about bullies, of course. Luckily, I was kind of a strong, fat kid. Well, they called me husky back then. Husky was like the nicer word to fat. And I remember I was in, I guess it was, this. I was seven, so that would be the second grade, in Bradley Beach, New Jersey. And there was this terrible bully. He was this tough, Latino guy named Louie, and he had a big scar on the side of his face, so we called him Louie Scarface. And he just would come up to kids for no reason and beat them up. So if you saw Louie Scarface coming towards you with his fists in the air, you, you knew you were in real trouble, let me tell you. So I was on the blacktop, you know, in recess, people were playing, and I look up and there comes Louis Scarface. But he wasn't going somewhere else to beat up some other kid. He was heading straight for me. And I was like, oh no, my life flashed before my eyes. I mean, I'd only been around for seven years, but I was going to get taken out by Louis Scarface. So I made a move. So you have to remember, I was a big husky kid. Plump, to say the least. I made this move, and I don't know quite how I did it, but... Somehow I jumped in the air and landed with him on his back on the, on the tar. You know what do you call the blacktop, the way all the school grounds were then? Flat on his back and me sitting on his face. So yes, I took Louis Scarface down by sitting on his face. Let's not even go there to where you're going with your filthy little mind. Behave yourself. But... And then I proceeded to suffocate him. And I wouldn't get up until he gave up, he gave in. Back then we'd say, say uncle. He was like, get off me, I'm suffocating. I'm like, say uncle. Finally, he said uncle. I give up. And only then did I get up. And let me tell you something. Louis Scarface never bothered me again. And no one in that school ever bothered me again. Now, why am I telling you that story? Well, because that was the scariest thing I had to worry about at seven years old. A bully that I was able to take out, luckily, but that was the scariest thing. But now, kids are worried about being killed by an assault rifle. It's just, oh my God, it's just so terrible. And yet, it seems that every time there's a big movement to stop 
the abuse of guns to stop everyone and their uncle from being able to get an assault weapon to like at least have background proper background checks i mean all the things the sensible things you get a driver's license right you have to go to school you have to learn how to drive you have to pass the different tests the written test and the and the actual driving test but you don't have to do any of those things to get an assault rifle that can kill like a hundred kids in like five minutes it's unbelievable but i digress so like i said it made me sad to hear that this adorable little girl was worried about that and then we kept talking and she had you know some of the normal fears and anxieties that kids have she didn't fit in to what was the norm that there was this look, the cool look, how to be cool, how to fit in, how to have the acceptable look if you wanted to be popular. And she kind of had her own look, sort of a more uh, alternative, almost kind of edgy, slightly goth sort of leaning, you know. But uh, everyone was telling her, no, no, you have to do your hair like this, you have to fit in with the look or you won't be popular or you won't fit in. And I remember when I was in school, the look of this school, and my parents took me out of Bradley Beach Public School after a few more years of my escapades and put me in the very posh Rumson School, Rumson, New Jersey, where all the kids always looked like they were gonna go yachting all the kids had alligator shirts, those Izod Lacoste alligator shirts, and they all wore khaki pants and dock cider shoes, and it looked like they were about to just take off on their yacht. And my mother dropped us off in our head-to-toe Kmart Blue Light Special Ensembles, so we certainly didn't fit in. But when I got into high school and I started doing my own thing, well, of course, you know, all the kids had this kind of forgettable look, the yachting look. And um, even a small deviation from that branded you as a rebel. But I just decided that my look was going to be rock and roll rebel, you know, ripped up jeans and ripped up T-shirts with safety pins in them, maybe like Converse high top, basketball sneakers or white capizios that was kind of a cool sort of a look or california hiking boots and maybe i would try to get a little pink happening in my hair you know i had my own sort of rebellious little rocker chick look the interesting thing was even though there were some kids who didn't want anything to do with me because they thought i was weird looking And some kids were crazy about me because they thought I was brave. Some kids who just were frightened of me. I mean, everyone had their own, their own stuff. The friends that I made who were willing to stand out and be a little different, well, some of them are still my friends today. This is like four decades later. Crazy, right? And when I went to my high school reunion, I've gone to a couple of them, um... But I went to my 10-year high school reunion. That's only 10 years after high school. I kept having kids come up to me. Well, they weren't kids anymore. 10 years later, they were 27, 28 years old. But 
they kept coming up to me and they knew everything about me. Oh, you remember when you did this in sociology class? Do you remember when you did that in the art room? Do you remember when you did that? And I didn't know who the hell they were. The reason was because since they hadn't been brave enough to step out and be themselves at all, to risk their popularity, they hadn't been brave enough to just bang to their own drum. Ten years later, only ten years later, they had just disappeared in my mind. They had become completely forgettable. It was kind of an interesting life lesson. And the ones who had been a little bit brave, not some wild thing, but just a little bit of individuality, well, they were permanently emblazoned into my brain. I never forgot them to this day. Never forgot them. So that's, that's kind of interesting about life. Like, if you're too afraid to stand out, too afraid to march to your own drum and all you're going to do is just be like an army of same, same, same. Well, then the price you pay is that you're going to be forgotten. You'll be completely forgettable. And I don't know about you, but I want to know that when I leave this planet, more than this planet, this realm, this um, plateau, this place that we're in, that when I leave this body, I want to know that I will have made my mark, that I won't be forgotten, that I'll have affected lives, that I'll have made them better, that I'll have left something creative that was beautiful, a painting that I painted, a writing that I wrote, podcasts that I did, relationships. I just want to know that I made my mark. So... I'm not saying you have to be a writer or a painter or a radio person or a podcaster or any of those things to make your mark. But what you do have to be is you have to be you. You have to figure out what you are and then be it instead of just hiding it and putting yourself into the same, same mold. You know what I mean? So that pretty girl that I was talking to that made me feel sad because of her fears... What I did like was that she wasn't, she was refusing to go into that mold, into that, this is what you have to look like and be like to be popular mold. And she was really demanding to stay as to what she kind of felt she was becoming, which I don't know, sort of like a, her own version of a, a Stevie Nicks kind of character like Edie Brickell and the New Bohemians or Stevie Nicks. Remember how Stevie Nicks was kind of witchy? She's kind of like a witchy rocker chick, I would say. I'm not sure she, she's 12. I'm not sure she knows who Stevie Nicks is, but I saw her as like a budding Stevie Nicks. So she's got fears and anxieties, but she will not be forgotten. But I do hope that her life gets easier. I don't want her to be afraid of those terrible things happening in the world. And I can't tell her not to be afraid either because every time you turn on the news, here comes another school shooting, just horrible. So I suppose I'm going around the world 
between jumping in the ocean and the 12-year-old girl and the school shootings and trying not to be popular and so on and so on and Louis Scarface. There you have it. Many years later, when I heard that expression, I want to sit on your face, I thought about Louis Scarface and I said, I have a feeling he doesn't want anyone sitting on his face. He's probably been traumatized for life by that. But you know what? He deserved it for beating up kids. He was a rotten little punk, let me tell you that. So here I am. I got to jump in the ocean up to my waist while my friend Sharmani and my girlfriend Lydia went in over their head and went under. They were braver. That's okay. Nothing to prove. I got to be with nature to some extent. Yesterday was a huge heat wave. It was 90-something degrees. And I still was out in it with a sun hat, enjoying it with tons of sunscreen, not like I used to be when I was a kid. We laid out on an aluminum foil blanket with mazola corn oil. My mother, we ran out of suntan oil. My mother sent my sister Yaya and I out with our aluminum foil blankets and she gave us a bottle of mazola corn oil. And there we were in the Florida Panhandle in Panama City, Florida. And we were literally frying ourselves like eggs in the Mazzola corn oil on the aluminum blankets. Kind of crazy to think about. Been thinking a lot about my adventures with Yaya growing up. The two of us boiling away like eggs in Mazzola corn oil on our aluminum blankets. We got into all sorts of mischief, let me tell you. And I remember when my father got the bright idea that instead of hiring painters, he was going to have his three rotten kids paint the bungalow in Panama City, Florida. And he was going to give us 20 bucks each. And that would be a deal. 60 bucks, he'd get the bungalow painted. Except, of course, you know, how good were we? I mean, I guess I was about 10, and my sister was 11, and my brother was 8. Well, so I was a total tomboy, and I had my heart set on proving my worth. And so I climbed to the very top of the ladder. We were painting the house white, and I started painting away white on the very top of the ladder. I was very proud of myself, even though I was scared to death, you know. I just kind of fought through it. I don't know where my brother Mendel was, but... He spent most of his childhood sucking up to my mother, so he probably wasn't painting. He was probably in the kitchen trying to, you know, get my mother to notice him and please her. Which, okay, poor Jewish boy. That's a bona fide profession. Mama's boy, it's a real profession. My sister, she was sitting on the ground. I think she might have had a paintbrush. But mainly what she was doing was killing ants on the ground. I'm pretty sure she was stomping them with her Barbie doll. And then when Dad would come by, she'd take the paintbrush and kind of slash it across the bottom of the house. And then when he would go away, she'd go back to killing ants with her Barbie doll. I never forgot that because it was kind of interesting 
At first, I was horrified by what she was doing, and I kept trying to get her to paint the house. Like, what's wrong with you, Yaya? Come help me paint the house. Stop killing the ants with your Barbie doll. But in the end, she got 20 bucks for sitting on the ground killing ants, and I got 20 bucks for almost killing myself being on the top of the ladder. And Mendel got 20 bucks for sitting in the kitchen eating and kissing my mother's tushy. So, I don't know. Who was the smart one in that deal? Some folks might say it was not me, but I did have quite a sense of pride out of climbing to the top of that ladder, as scary as it was. And there were an awful lot of ants on our property, so you could say Yaya did a real service. She exterminated a um, one-foot-by-one-foot bit of land on the property, so who knows? I don't, I don't think the Barbie doll liked it very much because she was getting pretty dirty and pretty covered in ants, and shortly after that had to be traded in for Malibu Barbie. So I think she got the worst deal, and no one gave her 20 bucks either. But what I did learn that summer in Panama City, Florida, is that you want to eat a lot of light, cold, yummy food. You don't want to eat rib-sticking food because we were so hot. And I was reminded of that recently, too. And so now I'm really digressing. I'm going from painting the house to my sister killing ants to jumping in the ocean to Louis Scarface when I sat on his face and suffocated him. You know, kind of going all over the place. But things I would eat in the summer. Well, recently kind of great to go with what's great and what's available. So summer in New Jersey, forget it. Tomatoes and corn. Those are two things. If you find yourself in New Jersey in the summer, please go out and eat some beefsteak tomatoes and some nice fresh corn. And so recently my girlfriend and I feasted on some beautiful fresh corn And afterwards, I took all the leftover corn. This very next day, I had um, four ears of leftover corn that I'd cooked, that I had boiled. I shaved it off. I shaved it off the cob. I shaved all the kernels off the cob, put it in a bowl, and then I fine diced up some cucumber, and I fine diced up some red onion. Beautiful already, right? toss those in together. I made a dressing out of a little bit of vinegar, a little white wine vinegar, a little bit of mustard, a little chili powder, a little olive oil. Toss that up. And then I diced up some cucumber. Did I mention that already? I'm not sure if I did. If not, I diced up some cucumber because that's what I had. I threw it in. I didn't dice up red bell pepper because my girlfriend doesn't like to eat bell peppers, but if I wasn't feeding her, I'd throw in some diced red bell pepper. And I didn't throw in any sliced scallions because I didn't have any, but if I did, I would have thrown in some sliced scallions, make it really beautiful. Now that was already a gorgeous salad, but there's a million other things you could also throw in. I threw in also, after I plated it, half cherry tomatoes because they were gorgeous and it was summer so I had all my beautiful tomatoes in there too and I would throw in chives if I had it but I didn't so sue me 
I also might throw in some cubed feta cheese because it's entertaining. I've made my corn salad a million different ways. I like to do a dressing of apple cider vinegar, which is delicious, and olive oil, and salt and pepper and paprika. Sometimes I give it a little mustard. I like to do a dressing of lime juice and olive oil and honey. It's all a gorgeous thing. So a sweet, summery corn salad is a sexy thing to have in the summer. And you can have it with everything, with grilled chicken, delicious, alongside a sandwich, delicious, alongside a grilled steak, delicious. I would say, what did we had it with? What did we eat it with? We had a big old chunk of it. I think we had it with grilled chicken and we had it with some sweet potato. Not that sweet potato is a summer thing, but it was delicious. So now I'm digressing all over the universe, but who cares because it is my prerogative. I am woman, hear me digress. You know what I mean? So here's what I have to say to you. If you find that you're not being yourself because you want to fit in or you want to be popular or you want to be rich or you want to be liked, but just think about it. If you're pretending to be something you're not, then what's the point? Do you want to be remembered as something you're not? Is that really living? You know, life is really short. I learned a lot of lessons already, and one of them is how short life is. My sister Yaya is gone now. My best friend Susie Starlight is gone now. My beautiful friend Catherine Cates is gone now. My mother has left us. My father has left us. You're probably listening to me thinking of everyone you've lost. And life is short. So while we're here, we need to live it. And the best way to live it is by being who we are. It's the most wonderful thing my beloved Susie Starlight would say to me very often, especially in the last couple of years. She would say, Rossi, you are so authentic. You've always been your authentic self as long as I've known you. And it was so wonderful that someone who'd known me since I was 13 gave me that compliment. Probably the best compliment I can get. And so that I bequeath to you. Do whatever you want to do to make you happy, but be, be, be your authentic self. Because life is short. So you need to live it by being who you truly are. I mean, with an exception, if you're a serial killer, then no, don't be your authentic self. If you want to go and kill children with a semi-automatic weapon, with an assault rifle, with any, any weapon, then no, don't be your authentic self. If you want to take away human rights from people, if you want to prevent women from having equal rights, if you want to prevent the gay community from having equal rights, if you want to hurt people because of their, their religion or their color of their skin, then no. I forbid you to be your authentic self. But if you're a halfway decent person who really doesn't want to hurt people, then yes, for the love of God, be your authentic self. So there you have it. And make some beautiful corn salad. It's such an exciting thing. There's so many exciting ways to make it. I am partial 
to generally giving it diced red onion. Also, sometimes I'll throw in sliced grapes, crazy, but delicious. I've thrown in sliced olives, delicious, and all kinds of things you can throw in. Toasted pumpkin seeds on top, whatever, you know, float your boat. Make a gorgeous, sexy, fresh, beautiful summer corn salad. And you know what? I give you permission to have it all year long, even though in the summer is when you want to get the fresh corn. You can do frozen corn in the winter. You know what I mean? Anyway, this is Rossi for Raging and Eating. And as always, food is love and so are you. Now go out and be yourself.